Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Colossians chapter 3. That's our passage today, the third chapter of the book of Colossians. And here's our key concept today. We are to build one another up in the Lord. Colossians chapter 3. While you, while you find that, I also am going to ask you to take a look at the cover of your bulletin today because it illustrates the fact that we are in a series of messages that uh, is outlining the vision of Quail Lakes Baptist Church. This, the base path is the vision, the glimpse, if you will, of how we believe we can accomplish our mission of winning and building passionate, lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I recognize that this series of messages is it's it's a little different it's kind of like I'm I'm pulling back the curtain so to speak and giving you the reasons for the structure of the programs that we have here at quail but I'm doing that believing that as you understand why we do what we do you'll be uh, uh, able to be a better part of it and and be help us accomplish the mission we have here in in, uh, Stockton We're talking about the bases. Each of these bases is an outcome. It's not particularly a program, but it's something we believe God would have us see happen in people's lives. And last week was first base, and that's win the lost. That's where it starts, presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ and having people come to faith in Christ. Today, we're looking at second base, which is build the believer, uh, building believers up in Jesus Christ. That's the second base of, of our vision. Before we get to our passage today, I'd like to show you a brief video, and I'm going to make the connection to our, to our, our theme in a moment, but let's, let's watch this video. I will, I will develop myself I will in a positive manner, in a positive manner. and avoid, and avoid anything, anything that may reduce my mental growth. Oh, my physical health. Oh, my physical health. Ready, start, go. Ready, start, go. I will. I will. Develop. Develop. Self-discipline. Self-discipline. In order. In order. To help. To help. Bring out the best. Bring out the best. In myself. In myself. And others. Set. Set. At ease. I will use. I will use. I will use. Common sense. That is a three-year-old who is repeating and, and shouting out the creed of that Taekwondo studio that, that, that you saw her, uh, saw her in. What's happening there is training, is learning, is growing, and is a lot of cuteness. But now, move those ideas out of the Taekwondo training setting and, and, move, and move those concepts into what happens in second base here at the Quail Lakes Baptist Church program. We are to be training, to be learning, and to be growing, not so that we can just shout out the creeds, but so that we can build one another up in Jesus Christ. 
And it's something that happens in relationships. If you look at the very first issue that God solved way back in the Garden of Eden for humanity, it really wasn't sin, it was solitude. God said for Adam, it was not good for Adam to be alone. We are meant to be in fellowship. We are created as relational beings because we are modeled, we are created in the image of God who is forever and all eternity in relationships within the Trinity. So the first problem, if you will, that God solved for humanity was the problem of our aloneness. And as today we talk about being built up in Jesus Christ, I want you to say that, see, that since we are relational beings, we are built up in relationships. The key word there is a word that you heard from Robin in her announcement. It's the word community. And when I, when I say the word community, I'm talking about relationships of substance that go beyond being friendly and turn our church family into a truly connected body. That's community. Paul talks about the qualities that have to happen inside a church to truly have that kind of relationships of substance in Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to start the reading in verse 15. So go ahead and find that there. Here's what he says. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Embedded in that passage are the qualities that we have to see in a church fellowship in order to be built up in the Lord. And the first quality is this. It takes being a body where the peace of Christ rules. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, that's interesting to me. I think it's an interesting way to put it because I don't often think of peace as a ruling force or peace as an authority. But the Apostle Paul insists that, yes, the peace of Christ is a ruling force in our fellowship if we're going to build one another up. Now remember now, Paul was a church planter. Paul dealt with real people, with real issues regarding how to make disciples. He has seen what goes wrong in churches, and he's seen what it's like when things are going wonderfully right He's not giving us ivory tower, educational theory, philosophical idea kind of, of, of advice here. He's giving us rubber meets the road advice on how you build each other up. And he says, when there's not peace inside a congregation, where there is gossip and contention and scandal and fighting, simply put, disciples will not be being made. Because too many spiritual, too much spiritual and emotional energy is going sideways to kind of handle these problems. Part of church leadership is enabling the congregation to keep our eyes and our hearts on the main thing. You've heard me say the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is to grow disciples, and Satan knows that. He knows that if he can get the church to spend emotional and spiritual energy thinking about and working on all kinds of other things, caring about all kinds of controversies and divisions and those kinds of things, the main thing will not be done. 
And so we recognize as a body of believers that there's always going to be people with agendas. There's always going to be people with axes to grind. There's always going to be people caught up in conspiracy theories. There's always going to be mistakes made from time to time. Why? Because the church is led by and populated by human beings. And once in a while, we get things wrong, even with our best effort. But the point is this. Don't dwell on that. Don't camp out on that. Don't rest on that. Why? Because the peace of Christ must rule. We all need to develop what I call blessed forgetfulness. Blessed forgetfulness allows the slights and allows the the offenses to kind of slide off. Blessed forgetfulness refuses to carry grudges. Blessed forgetfulness gives second and third chances to one another so that the peace of Christ can rule because that's quality number one. Quality number two is the church that builds believers is a place where thankfulness will be evident. Colossians 3.15 continues, simply says, and be thankful. As a matter of fact, you'll see thanksgiving and gratitude appear a couple of times in that little paragraph I, I read a moment ago. We need to be thankful people. Why? Because as you look around in our culture, thankfulness is becoming less and less evident. Gratitude, less and less evident. There is a sense of entitlement that is all around us. And once we begin to think that we are owed everything, we will be uh, be grateful for nothing. We need to be thankful people. John Ortberg, uh, in one of his books, writes about that. He says this, Our entitlement mindset has led to a proliferation of lawsuits. When we don't get what we want, we simply sue somebody. And he gives some examples. He says, the San Francisco Giants were sued uh, not too long ago for passing out Father's Day gifts to men only, and so they were sued. A psychology professor sued his professional organization for sexual harassment because at the holiday party that he went to, there was mistletoe. I'm thinking, just don't stand under the mistletoe, right? A psychic was awarded, she, she, the, the settlement came, she was awarded a settlement of $986,000 when she shoot, uh, sued her doctor, claiming that the CAT scan that he ordered, testing for a life-threatening disease, had impaired her psychic abilities. Process that with me for a moment. She was given the settlement. But if she really had psychic abilities in the first place, wouldn't she have known that the CAT scan was going to do something? I mean, what's that all about? And by the way, they were trying to save her life. The spirit of thankfulness is lacking all around us, but it must be present here. We must be thankful and appreciate what we have in Jesus Christ. We must be thankful and appreciate one another and the relationships that we share in the family of faith and be thankful. Thirdly, he says, it must be a place where the Word of God is valued. Verse 16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. See, the peace of Christ and the spirit of thankfulness, if you will, are the setting or maybe the backdrop for building believers up in the Lord and creating passionate, lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. If they're not there, it's going to be hard to do that. But the brick and mortar of really being built up in the Lord is found in the Word of God. And Paul says, I want the Word of God to dwell in you. In other words, for the Word of God to be at home in us. How does that happen? Well, maybe to help us think it through, let me give you the opposite of being at home. Here's a situation where you're definitely feeling you'd be not at home. 
You're invited to a party. And as you go into the party, you enter the room and you find out that you know no one in this party. And no one welcomes you. No one, no one reaches out to you. It seems that everybody else is talking to everybody else, knows everybody else, and pretty soon your experience of the party is you're standing by the wall watching everyone have fun. That's a definition of not feeling at home. You're out of your element. You're not a part of what's going on. You're not recognized as important or valuable. Now, think of the opposite situation. You enter a place and there's people you know and they instantly involve, involve you in the conversation. They pull you in. They see you as valuable and part of what's happening. You're part of the action. That's feeling at home, comfortable at, in, in that place. Now, imagine Jesus. How do we make him comfortable in our lives and his word at home in our lives? It is recognizing him, welcoming him, recognizing and welcoming the principles of the word of God, recognizing and welcoming the, the commands of the word of God, the standards of the word of God, rejoicing in God's communication to us, reading and discussing it with others and allowing the word of God to direct the way that we live. That's the word of God dwelling in you richly. And when this is happening, we will be in the process of building one another up. And of course, it takes studying the Word of God. We are to be people of the book. So this means that part of what we do on second base as we seek to grow passionate, lifelong followers of Jesus Christ is open the Word of God together in groups like the rooted groups Robin has been talking about or our Sunday school classes on Sunday morning or our other uh, um, uh, life together groups or the other times that we spend really looking into the Word of God. That's part of what we do, second base, building one another up. But the fourth quality, Paul says, that, that happens as we are uh, raising up passionate, lifelong followers of Jesus Christ is we have to be a place where teaching and admonishing happens. Verse 16, teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. There's an expectation in a body that's growing in Christ that the word of Christ will be taught, which means the positive setting down of the principles of the word of God but also that, the, that we would be admonished, which is the corrective setting down of the principles of the Word of God. This is part of how we let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. We have a responsibility to open the Bible together, to read the Word together, to learn together, just like we're doing right now. This is what we are meant to do, to open the Word of God and to teach one another. And in many ways, what we're doing here on Sunday mornings, opening the Word and teaching one another, it's a proactive kind of teaching, getting ahead of the issues, ahead of the potential problems in life and in ministry and hearing what God would, would have us understand about those things in advance of something happening. But God recognizes that the church of Jesus Christ is not made up of perfect people. We make mistakes, we blow it from time to time, and sometimes we will have to set out the principles of the Word in a corrective way to one another, admonishing, taking somebody aside and saying, yeah, I need to talk to you about what, what you said in there, or I need to talk to you about what's going on, just to lay before you the principles of the Word in a way that will be corrective. It's part of our role towards one another, but I realize that it's less and less that we're able to do that in the atmosphere of our culture. Because all around us, really, the issue when we begin to do some sort of correction is, hey, you can't tell me what to do. Or, hey, this is supposed to be all about love and grace. Well, how can you possibly be correcting me? But the reality is, love is born in truth. And grace is designed to lead us toward righteousness, not away from righteousness.
And so both, teaching and admonishing, takes place in a body that's growing. And fifthly, the fifth quality, it's a body that worships. Verse 16, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Worship builds us up. King David knew about that. He said in Psalm 34, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. That's part of what it means to be built up in the Lord. Now, we worship in many ways. On Sunday morning, we worship as we learn. We worship as we give. We worship as we pray. But as I said earlier, there's just something about singing the songs of the redeemed side by side, something about making that proclamation in song. It blesses us. It lifts us up. And it does so even if you can't sing well, right? Scripture says, make a joyful noise. Yeah, a lot of you are doing that. That's good. Make a joyful noise. As we sing together, we build each other up. And so the qualities of, a, of a, a church body that is building one another up, second base are these. The quality is the peace of Christ rules, thankfulness is evident, the word is valued, both teaching and admonishing towards righteousness in life take place, and worship is happening. We want all of that to happen on second base. And that's how we, why we design the programs the way that we do. And all of that happens in a strategy, in a context, if you will, a strategy for how it unfolds in real life. So let me tell you about our strategy here at Quail Lakes Baptist Church. We do this on purpose. And the strategy is to offer you three levels of church life, three levels of experience as a church family. And the first level, the highest level, if you will, where the most people can experience all together we're doing right now. And we call that level the celebration level, where we come together in the biggest room we can find and as many people as we can possibly fit in, we celebrate the love of the Lord Jesus Christ together. We celebrate one another together and, and we worship together. That's our worship services on Sunday morning. That's our holiday programs, our holiday concerts. Those things are all celebration-level experiences. But let me tell you what doesn't happen at the celebration-level experience. A lot of good stuff happens, but what doesn't happen is you don't build deep relationships, those relationships of substance, if you just come to the celebration experience. Why is that? Because what are you doing right now? You're facing forward looking at me. Who's talking right now? Not you. Or at least you're not supposed to be. Me. <laughs> I'm talking. You're just listening to me talk. You can't build relationships in that kind of setting. It's not meant to happen in this kind of setting. That's why we need another level of church life. And a level below that celebration level I call the congregation level. That's a level of church experience where what you're doing is in a group that's large enough that it's kind of exciting, it's, it's, it's kind of something important is happening here, but basically you look around and you know most of the people. You know their names and they know you. 
our, our, some of our larger Sunday school classes, our congregation experience, our choir is a congregation experience, our youth programs a congregation experience, uh, as is our Go projects when we are together in a team uh, serving a church or serving our city. There's about a hundred of us or so, and you look around, you recognize and you'll know most of those people. That's a congregation experience. And that's a place where relationships begin to be formed, conversations begin to take place. I learn names and I, and I get to know who's who, congregation. But still in all, those kinds of experiences really aren't going to be the kind of places where you can go in depth with people. So that's why we have a level of church life underneath that called the cell level. That's our small Bible studies, our rooted studies, our life together groups, some, our smaller uh, Sunday classes, those kinds of things, our prayer groups where we, we pray together. That's a, a level of experience where just a, uh, just a few people maybe, but I know their names and they know me. I know their situation. I know their prayer needs. They know my prayer needs. We pray for one another. We, we're, we are at that level of, of building a, a relationship of substance. At that level, if somebody doesn't show up, we miss them. We wonder what's happening. And we have those relationships that are built. Why do I explain that strategy? I explain that to you because it's the leadership's job to make sure that strategy is in place and the opportunities are there and the strategy is offered, it is your job to engage that strategy, at least in some way on all three of those levels. Because when you're doing that, you are building relationships of substance in the context of a worship uh, a church that grows people in Jesus Christ. We want you to engage in all of those levels. Robin and I are regularly talking about how do, how do we engage people in that cell level so that they can really know and be known, including and building a relationship with others. The key is to find participation. When we are participating on all three of those levels, what happens is we become a people movement that is representing Jesus well in Stockton. And we also become a spiritual family that in which men and women, boys and girls, have relationships that are more than just friendly, but relationships of substance. To achieve it, we need to work together. And why do I say it's important? It's important for this reason. None of us is as smart as all of us. None of us is as prayerful as all of us. None of us is as caring as all of us. None of us is as Bible-focused as all of us. None of us is as worshipful as all of us. None of us can do alone what we are all meant to do together in terms of building one another up. And that's why build the believer is a strategy for second base. So as I draw this to a conclusion, I'm going to ask these questions. Ask yourself, where can you more fully engage in each of the levels of church life? What door can you walk through to say yes to that? Secondly, how can you more fully submit to the qualities of a body of believers that builds up those five qualities? Where do you need to grow so that we together can see those qualities in action? When we say, when we find the answers to those questions for each of us, we will be able to build up believers into what? Passionate followers of Jesus Christ. That's the goal for a lifetime. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you give us outcomes. You want things to happen in our lives. You don't want us just to float through the Christian life. 
You want us to be a pa- on a pathway of transformation. And as we are on that pathway of transformation, Lord, not only are you glorified, but we get to be part of your kingdom work. So help us do that and help us to do that in love, recognizing that it is your love that transforms us. And as we demonstrate that love to one another, people around us pay attention. Help us do that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.